0: welcome to ship with cj i'm your host cj and together we will explore the areas of health human performance biohacking psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself 2020 has been an unusual year where most of us have been asking for time off and in 2020 we got so much time off that now we got bored of it People would complain that they get less time with their families. And in 2020, we almost got sick of seeing our family members all the time. Everyone's favorite excuse was that I don't have time to work out. And in 2020, we had Apple times to work out, but people didn't work out that much. But in the midst of all of this came isolation, loneliness, low self-esteem, and enormous amounts of work which had physiological as well as psychological impacts on people, things like stress. And today, I've got someone special on the show. My guest on the show today is a licensed counselor. She's a therapist. She speaks on mental health. She's a fellow podcast host and is specializes in something which 99% of us are running towards, which is perfectionism, which I certainly think is an illusion. And she helps take people's mass off and embrace their imperfections and authentically be themselves. Bianca, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, CJ. That's such a great introduction. That was funny.
0: (laughs) Well, yes, we have to add in some humor, right? I have to grab everyone's attention. Now, Bianca, you're in Atlanta. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yeah, I'm from London to not confuse everyone, Mm -hmm. but I live in Atlanta. Yes.
0: I was going to ask, there was something going on with the accent there, so it's good that you clarified that you're uh, from London. So when did you move to Atlanta?
1: It's been a while, 15 years, but I came as an adult, so that's the reason why I still have my accent and it hasn't gone anywhere. Mm
0: -hmm. And um, how's the weather in Atlanta right now?
1: Actually, it's warming up. Um, Okay. (laughs) Yes. It's warming up. Um, In Celsius this morning, it's 16. Yesterday, it was like 26. So at the, this time of the morning, 16 already. So it's warming up.
0: Okay, so so that's good news. Now, have you always worked as a therapist, a counselor? Or did you move in from different industries? Because I know you had some element of travel industry. Am I correct?
1: Yes. No, I didn't. I um loved to travel. Um, and then I, I studied travel, um, and then Mm -hmm. I was in a career of travel for 10 years. That's that company I worked for actually brought me to, um, Atlanta, the company I used to work for. So it wasn't until I got Mm -hmm. to Atlanta and I was here for a few years that I actually changed my career. So, yeah.
0: Okay. That's something that we share in common. I love to travel as well. I love to go explore new places. So I'm glad to know that you and me have the similar kind of mindset. Now, what got you to be a specialist in perfectionism? Now, were you always perfect? And then you were like, okay, since I'm perfect, let me go out there and help people get perfect. Was that the case (laughs) or I'm reaching too far?
1: No, you're reaching too far. So uh, my own struggles with perfectionism, which I define as a consistent and exhausting cycle of trying to be enough, Um, Like Mm -hmm. you said, I totally agree that perfection is an illusion. And um, so my own struggles with perfectionism, being able to work through them, embrace who I am, let go, kind of like when I had clients that came in with the same thing, that's what I gravitated towards and that's what I loved working with. And so it took a while to kind of figure it out, maybe a year or two to figure out what I wanted to specialize in but definitely my own work um, and own journey. And I say journey because there's so many different things I find out about perfectionism along the way. So um, I'm not perfect, (laughs) but um, you know, I still deal with that. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Perfectionism still shows up in my life. However, um, I can recognize it more easily. I have the tools to deal with it and it doesn't um, keep me in that cycle like it used to. So I would say that.
0: Amazing. I mentioned illusion because I have an Indian background and in traditional Indian language called Sanskrit, there is a word for illusion. It's called Maya and it's classically used in examples such as when you are aiming to get more money, more fame, more power and... It also extends into perfectionism, which means every one of us gets excited for all these things and we start to chase it with all our lives. And we get to a point where we achieve all this and then still realize that it isn't what we were actually looking for. And when you look at highly successful people who have been chasing perfectionism or any of these other things called illusions in their life, they will tell you themselves that no matter how much fame, money or power you get, it's not the factor that makes you happy
1: a hundred and one ten million percent agree um because we're chasing like you said you're chasing the future and you're not present um Mm. you're constantly focused on what you don't have versus what you do have and so when you get to that space it feels like it's never enough because it was just something you had in your mind and so, a lot of the work I do is about being, being, bringing people present, um, and seeing what they do have, and which is not easy because they get very uncomfortable because they don't feel like they're enough as a person. It's really about who you feel like if you're enough as a person, um, versus, you know, the things on the outside represent for you being enough, but really inside. You don't feel enough that's why when you get to this space it's still you know you get to where you want to be it still doesn't feels like something's still missing
0: when i think of like we're in this modern day we are surrounded by so much technology and when you think about like an electronic device for most parts of it we expect it to work perfectly because it's been designed that way yet over time sometimes these electronic devices also have some problems and then we have to give it for repairs and servicing and one Big reason for that is because these innovators, scientists, and tech gurus have built these devices to be precisely with the goal of being as close to perfect. Now, do you think humans were built to be perfect?
1: Absolutely Is it not. in
0: our architecture?
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. Because um, if, if, if that was the case for me, then we would be individuals and we wouldn't need other people. Mm. We'd be okay being by ourselves, but we're not, right?
0: No, so we're not definitely.
1: So like you talked about isolation. So there is something that we need from other people, the connection that we need that we can't give to ourselves. So no, I don't I don't think that I mean, if you were perfect, I honestly feel like you'd be boring. <laughs>
0: Exactly. I was just about to think, as you were mentioning this, this was going on in my head. I was like, life would be quite boring if you didn't have to chase something or like didn't have the time to like be in the experience and learn from it. If you were just good at everything, it would just be boring. But I like something that you brought up there, which was we run towards perfection believing that we're not good enough. So does this boil down to a self confidence or a self esteem issue?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's heightened because that's the root, right? So the root of it is that fear of rejection, that fear of losing the love, the fear of told we're not being good enough. But it's caused by upbringing, you know, in the home, in the school, um, amongst friends, like being compared comparison and then what we see the images on tv you know we know they present so perfect um in movies and things like that so when you think about it like that that's what um that's what kind of causes it and then it it impacts our sense of self-worth it impacts our how we view ourselves and our yeah our confidence self-esteem
0: all of that yeah i would agree that most of the things that when you face situations like this a lot of this memory or this impact is coming from your subconscious mind, which you're, which normal people are not able to access as easily as we've seen some evidences of advanced meditators can go into some deep work and do it. But for a normal person who's listening, most of the events that happen in your life when you're, let's say, up to seven to eight years old, that brings in a belief system in your mind, and you're mostly reacting to those belief, set of patterns, things that you've seen, things that you've experienced, things that your grandfather would have told you or things that you've seen your neighbor do, it does have an impact in your life. Now, according to you, what kind of strategies or hacks, I would say, do you use with your existing clients that um, have some of these issues of self-esteem or self-confidence? Just even if you can share like one or two. I just want to get uh, the audience thinking about it and to take some uh, notes.
1: <laughs> I'm laughing because... I'm um, going to tell you why I'm laughing. Because everyone, people ask me that. And I'm like, so first of all, you're not going to like my answer because it's not like black and white. And it's mm-hmm. not like a, a, a simple thing. and Because um, that's the thing I also do with perfection, right? Perfectionism mm-hmm. is letting people, they have to get into the gray and you're going to get in the discomfort. And then so the thing with perfectionism is we want this homework and we want to do it and we want to get it right. So um, some of the stuff I may say, people are going to be like, um, that doesn't sound easy. So I think in terms of... That's okay,
0: we can jump into the crazy.
1: <laughs> I think we have to ask ourselves, and the thing I do with clients is ask some very, I love asking thought-provoking questions. Um, and so simple Mm -hmm. things like I have to do it this way right and then the question would be like well tell me why you have to do it that way what would happen if you did it another way what would it say about you if you do it this way is the way you're doing it does it work because that's bringing some sense of them thinking about well why do I do this where do I get this from and does this work for me so that kind of slows people down because remember I said with perfectionism you're a lot in the future, a lot of anxiety. So it slows them down to mm. stop and start thinking and start connecting to who they are if that makes sense. Um, and so I ask yes, a
0: make sense.
1: I, I ask a lot of questions about what makes me do this? Where did I get this idea from? What does it say about me when I do this? What am I trying to achieve? Because you, you really don't connect to yourself when you're in perfectionism mode. You're just you're just on the go and you're just focused on the goal that you're trying to achieve. So um, I think that that kind of helps people slow down. Of course you know, I'm going to say stuff like mindfulness. I'm going to say mm-hmm. something simple like breathing um, because you're being, again, getting present and you're connecting to yourself. And some people, that's really uncomfortable to connect mm-hmm. and be with themselves. So um, getting them used to that.
0: Well, that's um, that's super interesting. I would also find when I'm talking to people, if I tell people, like, can you stay in the room? Full empty room without any electronics, can you do it for an hour? And people already start freaking out in fifteen minutes. No magazines, no books, no nothing. Just stay in a room, sit there an hour, stay with yourself and see how your thought patterns change. And that gives them a reality check because in fifteen minutes I hear the door knocking and they're like, Get me out of here. So that is very powerful. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's it's a bit hardcore, but um it's it's one of those ways to show people that you are really not comfortable with yourself and you are just looking for, because now with neuroscience, we know that we have anywhere about 70,000 thoughts per day. And these are all individual thoughts. And we also know that 90 90 or 95% of these thoughts are repeated thoughts. So as you rightly mentioned, when you're asking people, this thought provoking question, you're asking them why, and what would happen if, and what would happen if, what would you think of it? certainly slows them down. But I, what I also think is that it gets people into an autopilot mode, uh, get people, sorry, out of an autopilot mode where they they start seeing things from a third perspective. So a third person's perspective, because it's very easy to see, see things from your perspective and you will never see a difference. But only when you step out of your comfort zone, when you step out of your image of yourself, then your logical mind takes some time and be like, why am I doing this anyway? Like, it's not working, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so that's like the that. hard
1: part, though, getting people out of their comfort zone. It's like, I really have to work with clients to trust me to do that. And I'll, and sometimes they don't do it. Like, I, can I tell people that? Like, first time, they don't always take my advice. I just got a text the other day. um, mm-hmm. And I think maybe I saw this client over a year ago, could be almost two years ago, and they text me and told me that something I said to them that came back into their head and finally clicked. <laughs> they just text me. Wow. Like, I don't even see the person anymore, but they just said, I wanted to let you know. So, you know. Well,
0: at least at least, um, I would think that it makes you happy thinking. I've got some recognition on that. And yeah. it is, your work is translating into the betterment of others. Now, when you mention breathwork, what kind of breathwork? Are you using some special breathwork? like ninja breathwork tactics or is it something nah. very simple
1: yeah i just do the simple like breathe in for four hold for four breathe out for four
0: so Sometimes more just like help. box breathing
1: yeah I, is that what you call it okay
0: box breathing um, yeah
1: i'm learning a lot more about the body and breath work now um i also so know someone um jasmine black girls breathing she has um a breath work class um and mm-hmm. when I get to do that, that's really good because that's like 45 minutes and it's really tough, but so good. I never knew that I didn't breathe and I, didn't, I never knew that your breath could change once you do breath work. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's what I just tell clients, something simple like breathe because we don't breathe. We don't always breathe, especially if you have anxiety. So something simple is just telling someone mm-hmm. to breathe in through their nose and out through their mouth makes a huge difference if you don't breathe. I think that's just a simple place to start. And then you can even get into the hold in for, breathe in for four, hold in for four. Um, You know, breath work is free, (laughs) but it's so good.
0: Mm -hmm. It's a good biohack, yeah. I, um, when people, when I meet people who are sick in some way or the other, one of the prime things that I also mention to them is to try to control their breathing. And it is almost magical that most of the things that people are always complaining about, whether it is stress or whether it's, let's say, anxiety or, like, difficulty in running, it automatically gets cured when the body is breathing, right? And, like, when you look at this concept of breathing, we have a lot of this coming from the Eastern um, eastern Chinese medicine, the Ayurveda, which is, like, five to 10,000 old systems. And you see all these ancient martial artists who are, exerting a lot of force, but breathing very slowly and having like these deep diaphragmatic breathing. Also, breathing can shift you from a parasympathetic or a sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight mode to your rest and digest, which is a parasympathetic nervous system. And the fact that you're holding the breath and exhaling more from a health point of view, even is good to increase something called as HRV, which is heart rate variability, which is the stress that your nervous system is facing at the given moment. So, the more you exhale, the more you relax, the more you control. We even see this in animal studies that the longest living animals are the ones who are breathing very slow and who are not taking or not hyperventilating. Because when you see people who are stressed or have anxiety, they're normally taking 25 breaths per minute. But then when you see people who are really calm and relaxed, that would be around like 15 breaths per minute. So there's a lot of longevity science. There's a lot of ancestral wisdom when we come to breath work. But for anyone who's listening to this, all what we are trying to say is that your breath is very powerful and you can use it to your advantage. Bianca mentioned it is free. You don't have to pay for it. And um, (laughs) yeah, there's a lot of good resources online. You can try a different kind of breath work, but just slowing yourself down is going to shift you from that fight or flight mode to the rest and digest mode. Now, Bianca, in the pandemic, right, there has been a change in the work environment. And this has been from, at, at the worst case scenario, like thousands of people losing their jobs and like businesses shutting down. And then people are employed, but they're working from home. I mean, working from home isn't really a new concept because teleworking was something that was established in the 1970s. But a house or a home is more likely to be traditionally seen in a way that we relax and rejuvenate and get our energies up but now it's been used to finish deadlines and being on calls all day how do you think being at your sacred place where you have to rest relax and rejuvenate and now you're just pushing in all these deadlines and meetings and zoom calls and um, running around for coffee how do you think that is impacting people have you seen many people getting impacted in your practice with this
1: um uh my biggest sympathy goes out to the parents Mm -hmm. um the parents is where i'm seeing it the hardest because they're they're at home working and then their kids at home doing doing it online so Mm -hmm. that's that's where my biggest like oh my gosh how are you doing it and the biggest stressor that i'm finding is that when you have kids in the home and you're expected to work at home um and that is the one where I'm helping clients and I've had some um parents because some schools here the kids might do a hybrid so I know someone hybrid but someone so some might send their kids in and then sometimes they're at home just because the stress of having the kids at home was just too much and then the kids were suffering mm-hmm. too because the kids want to be with their friends they don't want to be on ho- at home and they don't want to be online doing school. Like, you know, their attention span. I mean, my attention span, you know, having to see clients mm-hmm. online, it, it, it makes a difference. So um, I think that's the biggest place. And then, of course, when we're talking about attention spans, being on Zoom, being on the screen, that's exhausting. Um, that's more taking up more of your energy. Um, and so... And now you're in your sacred space. Like you said, it's being, you know, taken up with all of this energy from work, whereas, like you said, it was your safe haven coming home. And then if you don't have an office and people are having to use their bedroom and it's just like, ah, what do I do? How do I manage that? So um, I would definitely say, you know, at the beginning – of the pandemic when we really shut down around this time. So we're in March. So last year, April, all of my like old clients started to come back. Um, Ones that, Mm -hmm. you know, I hadn't seen them in a while, but they were like, oh, I need to book a session. Or the clients I had was like, I need to book more sessions just because they needed that support. They needed that outlet because of the anxiety, because of the change, because of, of of the restrictions so it's a huge adjustment and i think the thing is it's a huge adjustment for something that we didn't choose if we had chosen it then you'd get prepared but we didn't have a choice so that's that's the action that's the added stress
0: and i guess there's a lot of physiological stress that happens because of this because as you mentioned right if you're working from your bed then work comes with some minor amount of stress that you can deal with but most of the times when you're working you have an uptake of certain neurochemicals such as adrenaline norepinephrine um, and these are the ones that kind of keep you more awake and alert. And one of the things that we have been seeing is that insomnia rates have been going above the roof. When you're constantly in this state where where you have these neurochemicals that are firing all the time, it's hard to change it over a long period of time, because now when you're in your bed, you're rewiring the nervous system to act that way when you're in bed as well. So I guess one of the things that I would always love to tell people is that even if you're in a small place, just make sure you don't use your bed or anything that you're used to relax to answer an email, for example, because location also has a lot of energy. As soon as you move into one location of the house, that would translate into a certain kind of energy. So I'm not saying that everyone needs to have a fancy office, but try to do your best to make sure that you are away from some place where you're relaxing so then your brain can turn off those neurons and say, okay, now it's time to rest. And now it's time to relax. And the second thing that you said was, I also have great respect for parents at this time because parenting was never easy. Kids always come with a lot of stress, but (laughs) at this time it's just just unbelievable. And um, kudos to all the parents that have been managing this because there is a certain amount of time where you just burn out and that again, if your kids are young, it's not very good because now you are reprogramming their subconscious mind, which will determine into how stress or anxiety prone they will be in the near future. But then a lot of people, I mean, there are many people with kids, but then there are people who are living alone. Then this brings us to another problem with this whole um, isolation, which is loneliness. And again, after the pandemic, we've seen, because of the social isolation rules enforced by so many countries, we've seen this go skyrocketing. But for the purpose of this conversation, even if I had to take a imaginary remote and dial, go back in time to, let's say when the world was a normal place in 2019, there have been so many organizations like The Economist, the Kaiser Foundation, who've done so many studies. And even in the UK, where you're from, and in the u s where you're also from um, they they have stats which are surprising, which is like two in ten people feel lonely and isolated in Japan. more than half a million people haven't and this is in two thousand and nineteen they haven't like really stepped out of their home to make new connections in Canada. The isolation rate for households are like twenty four percent in europe is thirty four percent so loneliness has been a An epidemic even before we started COVID and after COVID is just increased. And what is my, why I bring this up and now, and I just did a tweet about this a few days ago, is because loneliness is actually the precursor to other serious problems, other mental health problems. When we look at loneliness can build into things like depression, anxiety, worst case scenario, schizophrenia. I even saw a UCLA study a few years ago, which says that loneliness can build up to heart diseases, stroke, cancer, Alzheimer's. And if you're listening out there, there is a pattern to all of this. These are the biggest killers in the world. And what happens is if you look at what we talk about on Shift with CJ from an anti-aging point, then addressing loneliness is probably one of the best things you can do because, and at this point, this is in 2019, But right now, loneliness has just shot up the roof. So what do you think, how can we collectively solve this problem of
1: loneliness? (laughs) I think so, just to go back to your point that um, 2019 was interesting about that study. I believe that because in 2020, I don't know if everyone knows this, but definitely for us, like it's hard, it was hard to get a therapist um because we got so busy because so many people needed help even now it's still we're still full just because of the pandemic and so I believe that a lot of the feelings like loneliness that people had but sometimes covered up by going out and things mm-hmm. like that were now um increased were heightened mm-hmm. They didn't have anywhere to go and so they really had to deal with that sense of loneliness um and and there is a difference between loneliness is the feeling um and being alone is like the physical sense so just to let people know you can be with people and still feel lonely
0: thank you Um, for addressing that
1: and so i think that's so the answer is not to be with people necessarily um I'm definitely mm-hmm. you know for me um loneliness in that sense is 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 it doesn't feel good right but i've I've experienced loneliness and and often it's a sense of why can't i what what's wrong with me? why can't I have something or why can't I get to this space so it's often about feeling again going back to that not good enough um sense. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to loneliness, it's that sense that within us, there's emptiness. Within us, there's something missing. And what, so it's really about within us, but what it is, is we look outside of us and think about that it's something outside of us, um, but it's not something outside of you. So it's not, I don't have this amount of money, or I'm not married, or I don't have this, these kids, Mm because that doesn't make a difference. Like, again, I said, Mm -hmm. you can be lonely with people, feel lonely with people. So that's really about something is empty within us, we feel like something is missing. And sometimes we can't describe it. Sometimes I tell people, what does it feel like in your body? Um, and so looking at what is it when you feel lonely, what's going on in your body? Is your body tense? What What's it responding? What's your body saying to you? Sometimes I should tell people to sit in that loneliness because our, ten- our tendency is to want to get rid of it. So whether that's talking to someone, going on our phone or, you know, reaching for alcohol or drugs or whatever the case may be. But we often feel like, well, if I sit with this loneliness, I'm going to die or something's going to happen. And I actually tell people, well, actually, no, because when you sit with it, um, you actually get used to it. We all feel, and, and this is the thing, we all feel loneliness at some point. I just literally said, I have felt lonely, but I also know how to deal with it. So I think that not looking at loneliness as a bad feeling, like, I don't do negative feelings or um, I just say comfortable and uncomfortable. Loneliness is an uncomfortable feeling. We all experience it. Nothing is wrong with you if you experience it. So let's sit with it. Let's, you know, sometimes I'm like, make friends with it. Like, why are you here, loneliness? Like, what do you need to tell me? Use it as information. So we're using it in a way that's more helpful than more harmful so i hope
0: that helps yes that does help it's um it's a lot of things to think about and thank you for addressing it that way i've always um i've always thought of loneliness and when it comes to loneliness and the ways to handle it i've always had this analogy of us being in a taxi so you're the person who's driving the taxi and loneliness is just a passenger comes online it tells you where to go and at this point you're it's your job to tell this loneliness like which is telling you which way to take basically but it's your job as a profession as a taxi man or as like um a chauffeur to say that hey hold on i know the best way to get there your advice or your presence is appreciated but i'm going to do it my way i'm going to drop you off so it is that acknowledgement of being lonely having that Having that uncomfortable energy in you or around you, addressing it, making peace with it, and then letting it go. Oh, I love what it! People don't realize normally is that the fact that you've acknowledged any problem and its presence there is half of the job done, because people are running away from what reality is. Like you said, going to the bar or going and having um, like some cigarettes or drugs or whatever. It is not solving going to solve the problem. Temporary relief is only temporary, as I say, but it's not long term because you're not going at it and understanding why it is there. So I really like your approach. I really want everyone who's listening to this to either if you're if you're driving, don't do it, but then if you're not driving, <laughs> then take notes that or just sit with yourself, like Bianca said, just take some time. It doesn't have to be an hour in a cave. I mean, if you do that, it'll help. But like, just, just be in your room, be in your car, be wherever and just address it, accept it, recognize it, and then let it go. Know that you are the driver of that car. The loneliness, is, loneliness or any other feeling is just something that's going to take you to some place, but you eventually are going to go there yourself. Now, you also mentioned like people turn on to their phones and some other stuff. Now, let's talk about something else. Because one other thing that has really uh, topped up in the pandemic is social media, right? <laughs> so when you're stuck at home, there's only a few things you can do. You can eat. You can sleep. You can have Zoom meetings. You can have sex. You can make a TikTok. Or you can get a divorce. Like This is the trends that I have been seeing <laughs> the last year. <laughs> so, what impact do you think social media has actually made in this unprecedented times
1: gosh you know it's a love-hate relationship with social media Mm -hmm. right because i was just thinking about this yesterday there is this i don't know if you heard of it um i was i remembering last year you know where social media was really helpful was getting people together especially during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and people were doing like DJ parties, they had the verses, like where all the different artists were, you know, sharing their mm. songs and everyone was on social on Instagram and connecting. So in helping people out. And so I think in 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 that way, social media was so helpful during the pandemic, even for me, and I'm not a social media person. Um and you know, um, mm-hmm. I do live by myself, so that helped a lot. I mean, thankfully, I got great neighbors. So <laughs> that helps. But when you're in the house mm-hmm. by yourself, in, in the yeah, when you're in your house by yourself in the evening, it's like, oh my gosh, there were so many good things on Instagram that really helped during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then I know TikTok blew up. I'm not on TikTok, but mm-hmm. I know TikTok blew up over the oh, pandemic. you're missing out. I just cannot handle another social (laughs) media (laughs) but all the videos you know I still get to see some of the videos but all the videos and funny stuff and challenges so like you know it it has that sense of yeah of fun and entertainment um and I and I think where it comes in in the challenge is is that sense of going back to that perfectionism right so seeing all these images and, um, you know, it's comparing your inside to someone's outside, right? So you see an image and this person is with someone um, and they're, they're with their partner and you're like alone and you, you don't feel good or they look, you, you know, you even you're even mm-hmm. with your own partner and you're like, you're having an argument and you see someone in a couple and, and they're not having an argument and you're like... Mm-hmm. What's wrong with my relationship? But you're looking at a one-second picture that was probably taken ten million times. Mm-hmm. So when the social media exactly. comes on, with it's using it, yeah, with the filters. So it's using it wisely, and using it wisely, and remembering because we can all get caught up in this, including myself. That's why I say we, and just reminding, reminding ourselves. Okay, this is a one-second picture it's not fair for me to compare myself. Sometimes I need to put it down. Sometimes we don't always do well with that. So that sometimes it's important to have a support or accountability, like, oh, I'm having a trouble with social media. Can you help me out? So they can kind of talk you through that. And I think that's where social media does harm, when we're not feeling good. And when, we, when we're comparing ourselves, because the people taking a picture aren't doing it to make you feel anyway. It just It's just our interpretation. And so we have to be responsible for that part when it comes to social media. And um, the stronger, the the more you build up, shall I say, your your self-confidence and your sense of worth, like if you are having a low self-esteem day please don't go on social media because that would just make it worse if you've just had an argument with your partner like don't go on social media because you're gonna you're gonna what you gonna do hashtag couple goals and then get mad like don't do those things that are gonna cause you more harm use social media wisely like i take my i take um instagram and, and and facebook instagram off my phone on the weekends Every weekend, wow, okay. I, I, I've never I heard of that strategy. That is good. Every weekend, Amazing. I delete the app. So you still app.
0: keep your account on. You keep yes. your account on, but you delete the app, so you don't have access to it.
1: Absolutely, and I, and yes, and everyone. I just want. Every, there are times when, like, oh, I just want to check something. Let me just let me, and I'm like, oh, it's not worth it because because I've deleted it. It's not worth it for me to, um, mm-hmm. go and put it back on. But if it was there, I would easily go onto it. So, yeah,
0: I also think as humans, we have we have a habit of being lazy, like we're created to be lazy, save all of our energy. So the fact that it's not already there and you have to take an effort to do it, 90 percent or like 80 percent of the time, you're not going to do it. So that's a good strategy. But I completely agree with you on what you said about all these positive sides of social media. I mean, social media has been around for a while, but if we have to specifically talk about what um got to in the pandemic then it was a good source of information people who never cooked learn how to cook people who never did things learn how to do things because there was an online community that was sharing a lot of things but what happens over time with social media and that is why your approach is spot on that you go for a certain time with social media and then a certain time without social media because even for me living without social media is is it doesn't. Um, no matter how much, how less I use it, it still doesn't make sense. And one of the problems that actually happens with social media for people who are listening is that it works on the concept of reinforcing the brain. So every time you go online, whether you get a like, you get a follower, you get a share, there is this region in your brain called the reward center of the brain, and it releases these neurotransmitters. And one of the famous neurotransmitters that it releases is called dopamine. And mm-hmm. what dopamine does is it's released normally in nature. It would always be released after having some kind of pleasurable activity. So if you went hiking and you saw like great views, it would release dopamine. Sex would release dopamine. So eating certain kind of foods would increase uh, dopamine. Mm-hmm. Even social connections will increase dopamine. And The issue with dopamine is that it is known to be an addictive neurotransmitter. So the more you have it, the more you get addicted to things. And the very nature of you using your social media all the time is that this dopamine keeps on releasing and releasing and Mm -hmm. makes your body resistant to it. And Mm -hmm. to make things even worse then talking to a loved one, eating a nice meal, going out for a walk, you don't get as happy as you would before. And now you need more and more of this social media because now your reward system, for a better word, is just messed up. And this can also lead to other issues like depression, anxiety. That is why we see so many things, even self-harm, which is the worst case. When as the worst case, it gets you like suicide rates. And suicide rates around the world have increased dramatically because of things like that, because people are just now sharing things on how to harm themselves on social media. And when I think of it, It's the very nature of how these apps are built as well, right? Like when you think of you go to Vegas or you go, if people haven't been to Vegas, then if you go to any casino and then you see people like sitting on the slot machine and then they know they're not winning, but they just keep on playing and playing, playing and playing. It is because they don't know what's going to happen next. And it is this unpredictable nature of a future reward that might happen that keeps these machines constantly in use. The same goes for social media sites. You don't know how many likes you're going to get, who's going to be your friend, what's going to happen. And the fact that you don't know anything about it makes you curious and engages in more of this dopamine release. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're using social media and you find yourself just even without your phone, people who are seeing this on video, just without your phone, just acting like there's a phone in your hand and just scrolling up. If you find this happening all the time, then you're probably getting a bit addicted. And I would highly encourage you to use tactics. Like for me, once a week, I go on a social media fast or a dopamine fast where I just I don't uh, I will try to now delete the app because I learned this new trick from Bianca. What normally I do is I put all of that on my willpower and I tell myself I'm not going to use it. But I also know that willpower doesn't last forever it's stronger in the day weekends during the day uh, weekends as the day goes so bianca thank you for sharing that i am going to use that and just delete my <laughs> uh, instagram
1: yeah because it's a quick way to get dopamine right there's quick ways to get dopamine um like um through food is a quick way having our pleasure of food um and uh, stuff like social media but there are other ways that might take a bit time a bit more time to get our dopamine um you know of course sex but like like you said the hike it's going to take us a while to get out of the hike but the fact that we're outside I always tell people dance like dancing to your favorite music boosts your dopamine um being out in the sunshine boosts your dopamine. So there are natural ways that we don't have to use social media. So I'll definitely tell people to, to look in that. One time I was just outside, dancing to my music, outside, listening to my playlist. And so that's three different ways I was boosting my dopamine. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And if you involve yourself in a physical activity like going outside, dancing, getting in sunlight, then you also boost a lot of endorphins. It's good for you. You're going to get your steps in. Your Apple Watch isn't going to say 10 more uh, <laughs> or 5,000 more <laughs> steps. So that's, that's a good way. But when we think about social media, I, by accident, mentioned this earlier and now it's coming back to me. When you mentioned that you are, are not on TikTok, I said that, oh, you're missing out. And this missing out thing brings me to another concept that okay, in, when we're looking at social media, we are comparing ourselves with others. And there's a lot of comparison going on. But there is another side to social media, which we probably haven't addressed, which is called FOMO or fear of missing out. Now, everyone, I have experienced FOMO like every fourth day, because in Dubai, everything is open and everyone's out. So I'm always looking at someone, this week. I'm like, oh, OK. This person is here. I should be there too. It is just a natural thing that keeps on going. But where it gets out of control is that people start having or building some kind of anxiety when they're really missing out on something, which clearly isn't really the case because you're always going to be missing out on something. It's just that now you see something so you can you have a way to, again, compare. But there was also an interesting study which showed that about 56% of the people who actually use social media do feel FOMO. So if you're listening to this and you're you feel like, oh, okay, I'm I'm feeling FOMO. Is there something wrong with me? It's nothing wrong with you. And especially if you're a millennial, 69% of millennials, which is probably seven in ten people, experience FOMO. Why do you think we're experiencing FOMO so much? Like, how has this suddenly come up with all these social media? And have you seen with your clients? Do a lot of people experience foremost
1: mm, yeah i mean it's funny as you listen to that i was like yeah i think i've I experienced that too I was, i'm experiencing mm-hmm. that with a decision i have to make and i'm like oh if i make this decision to let this thing go am i missing out but mm-hmm. it's almost as like um if, if if i if i'm not on social media what am i missing what am i not getting am i gonna miss out on something in life that i really really need Right, so it's more of the uh, fear of lack or more of a lack mentality rather than an abundance. Mm -hmm. Probably talking to myself right now, but um, um, you're
0: talking to all of us,
1: (laughs) yeah. You know, sometimes we talk when you say something, you're actually talking to yourself, but um, so when you have an abundance mindset you don't worry about missing out as much because you know there's always something available for you. Maybe I can't go to this or maybe I can't do this. Um, I can do it another time. But when FOMO comes in, it's more of that, if I don't do this, I'm going to lack. It's more of a lack mentality Mm -hmm. I think I would like to describe it as and so once we move towards abundance and we'll see like okay I can't be on social media but what else can I do what else am I gaining what else do I have what else am I getting it opens it up to see the abundance because there's always abundance like abundance Mm -hmm. doesn't like it's not like all of a sudden we have abundance um abundance is always there it just is how we choose to look at it it's how we choose to, to see it. And we can see lack or abundance is up to you. But, you know, I can I can sit here in my in, in, in my closet and say there's a whole bunch of abundance, right? Um, and so it, it it's really how we view it. What are we going to lack? When I miss out, that means I'm lacking something. And it's just not true.
0: You're correct. Um, most of the times we think that You know, if we don't do this, then we'll miss out on opportunities, connections. But the reality is, it's, it doesn't, it's again an illusion. And one way that I tell people to reverse FOMO is another acronym, which is called JOMO. Have you heard of JOMO before? No,
1: no, tell me.
0: So JOMO is the joy of missing out. When you tell yourself that, hey, that is happening. But at this point, I've got important things to do which is probably going to have a better impact on my future, on my, on what I'm doing right now. Maybe it's going to make me a better parent. Maybe it's reading a story to my child. But I am, instead of looking at it, again, like you mentioned, we all look at the world through our own lenses. And in that lens, you just have to swap the lack lens for an abundance lens. It's also for free, just like breathwork, just saying. But when you do that, when you do that, Then you look at this world through abundance and then where you have FOMO, you just replace, you just tell yourself that I have FOMO right now. Again, it's the point that you address the situation, accept Mm it, don't challenge it and then tell yourself that, okay, my, my task right now is to turn this FOMO into a JOMO because you're always going to be able to do something which is better, whether it is cleaning your house or anything, but Now you have to put more joy into the other thing, and that way the opportunity cost like reduces. So, this is one of the ways that, and again, stay away from social media. So, (laughs) delete the app, guys.
1: I love that joy mode. Joy mode. Oh my God. I love that. Joy mode. I love it. Joy Joy. of missing
0: out. Yes. Yes. Sounds cool as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: Did you make that up?
0: No, I haven't made that up. I read about it somewhere a few years ago and it just stuck on to me. Yeah. In your practice, you always, or in your website, you also are a fan of affirmations. Do you think affirmations can also fill up the lack that we have or probably raise our self-worth or put us in a better position to dial down on FOMO?
1: Yes, I do and i um uh, you know i tell people you don't have to do an affirmation every day but doing them a few times a week i i think i'm mean, yes, i have downloaded i don't pay for a lot of apps but i got mm. the i the i am app and um i think it's 20 dollars a year and that has changed my life because i like to do affirmations like you know i put them in the mirror but i would be rushing so much i don't always get the chance to do them and so with the I am app, you get reminders. I can put it on a widget on my phone because I have, you know, the, on the iPhone. And so every time I, I mean, how many times we're always on our phone, right? So anytime I pick up my phone, I can see the affirmation and I can repeat it, and it keeps us centered. Remember, I talked about being present and and reminding us of who we are and what we have. Um, and you know, if you haven't done affirmations, they'll feel they'll feel weird. They'll they won't feel right or you'll feel like you're lying or it's not truth. but you just got to keep going um and trust that they're working but i highly Mm -hmm. yes affirmations i think after journaling is my number one tool recommendation then affirmations
0: yeah it also works on this concept of um neuroscience which is the more you fire and wire the neurons I mean, the more you fire neurons in a specific pattern, when you say I'm good enough or I'm feeling abundance all around me, this is some examples of an affirmation. Then in the beginning, you might think that you're lying to yourself and you might think that this isn't true, but you just have to say it. But the fact that you keep on repeating it, and even if you don't believe in it, stick on to it, because the way your brain works is that if you repeat that information over and over again, those neurons will connect and they will wired together so the next time you are into a situation where you see some kind of a lack or you're about to um just have a reaction or be super reactive because of something that affirmation or that feeling of the affirmation at least will come into your head and you will feel more abundant so i um it's funny that you speak about i am affirmations for so many years i was i didn't know about the app but i would follow them on youtube And they have a five-minute affirmation track in the morning. It's called morning affirmations. And I would wake up every morning, put my headphones while I would meditate and use those affirmations. Oh, they go YouTube.
1: See, I'm not a YouTube person. My brother always tells me I should be on YouTube. He's like, Mm -hmm. YouTube is like the university, YouTube university. But I did not know they had it.
0: (laughs) Yes,
1: you can. I know my mom told me oh, why don't you go on YouTube to fix it? And I'm like, okay, mom. Um, I think Well, if you can't I, find the I answer
0: on Google, that. go to YouTube. <laughs> go to YouTube.
1: I know. But I never knew that. So I'll definitely check out their YouTube.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I'll definitely they have a five-minute their- affirmation track. If Everyone who's listening, even if you go and type in morning affirmations, I am morning affirmations, then you will get... lot of um, and it's not and if you look at the playlist there is a lot of other self motivation self development videos and you could listen to that too my trick is that when I wake up first thing in the morning then that is the time when because when you're waking up in the morning you have this transition time between the going from the subconscious to the completely conscious mind and if you can wake up in the right time and then the first things that come into your head are going to have Most amount of impact, and that's going to set the tone of your day. So, if you can start your day with gratitude, forgiveness, love, abundance, sharing the light that you have or your blessing with others, you don't have to physically go and do that. But even if you have like a meditation, like a mindfulness practice where you close your eyes and then you just connect yourself with the rest of the world, you don't have to physically go touch them. But just doing that itself is just going to give you so much energy and is going to make your day good because we also know from so many studies that just thinking about positive emotions bring in so many good things in your life. Like we've seen it in people who've been living abnormal amounts of life, um, like the super sanitarians in the blue zones. And what they always do is they always have a positive approach towards life. And that is the maybe not the single most factor, but one of the most important factors that is making them live for such a long time, because every cell in their body knows that there is good in the world, there's hope in the world, there is something to look forward into the world. But the moment you start your day or start thinking that the world's a bad place, I'm messed up, things aren't going right, then you are signaling every part of your genome and your cells that, hey, it's a bad world out there, so why do we even live in it? So just making these small tweaks here and there, probably really help when it comes to looking at a brighter day.
1: Mm,
0: yes,
1: yeah. I love that. I love that. Yes. Gosh, you're so knowledgeable.
0: Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And um, honestly, it's, it's been so lovely to talk to you. Bianca, if I would ask you that if you had to go back in time and tell yourself one or two pieces of advice, what would that be?
1: How far back?
0: <laughs> uh, oh. say 10 years.
1: 10 years ago. I would, the first thing that I always go with what comes to my mind. And mm. I would say play more.
0: Play more. okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Play, definitely. Um, especially as women, we're always like we have to do some tasks and things like that but I would and men are really great at playing like the video games and stuff but um I would definitely say make more time to play um I don't even want to say fun just play that could be going to you know like they have skies over here where you can jump on the trampolines like dance in the rain like you know just play like without do something without having that's not goal driven or task driven just play without like you were a child yeah like when you're a child and you get lost like whatever i that was what i would tell myself is to play more
0: for sure um thank you for that i guess um a lot of people can learn from it even though we're in the midst of a pandemic but you don't have to sort of you know go out there and be with a uh, hundred people to do your play you can You can have play in anything and everything that you that keeps you into a flow state that makes you forget about time and effort Mm -hmm. as soon as you can reach those states which are also in performance psychology is called flow states is going to get you into the right um, mindset and the right mood and the right energy and um it's glad that you share that because when you look at, I mean, there have been books and things on people who have died and um, the last regrets of people before their deathbed, It there have been a lot of things, but it was never the amount of money, the amount of success, the amount of power, but it's always been things like, I wish I had more time to myself to be who I authentically was. I wish I had more time to call all my old friends. I wish I just took some time off. To play and this has been repeatedly like it when when you look at large sets of data these are the things that pop out and these are now we are talking about people who have probably lived around 70 years old or people who've lived 100 years old and they've got enough life experience to tell all the young people out there because now when we talk about when we talk about all these groups of people i think the younger the people are it is even more impactful for them because we look at schools universities colleges these days you see people always either trying to lose weight like maybe 50 percent of the girls are always trying to lose weight 40 percent of the guys are exercising i even and this is even in people who are like 15 to 16 year old in high school they're trying to exercise trying to be someone who they're really not using protein shape maybe using steroids and being a teenager is also a very big responsibility for the parents because right now statistics even show that at least 20% of all teens will um, experience some kind of a depression before they reach adulthood. So one of the advices that I would like to give, whether you're 40 or 50 or 30 or 20, whatever, is to, like Bianca said, make more time to be true to yourself. Make more time to get lost in fun. Make You don't have to be crazy, but just take some time out for yourself because some people listening to this will be like, okay, I'm off. I'm quitting my job. I don't have to do that. Find something that makes time go away. And with that, we have come to the end of this podcast. Bianca, I am really grateful for you being on this show today. I appreciate everything that you've been doing and all the goodness that you've brought into the world. Now, if someone wants to get in touch with you, what would be the best place to get in touch with you? Is it by your website?
1: Yeah. Um, And thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I love having these conversations, by the way. I love podcasts. So thank you. Um, So my website, um, BiancaKHughes.com, that's all things um, therapy. And there's a blog on there um also my podcast if you want to listen to that on all platforms is the authentic wednesday podcast um and that's available and you know it comes out every wednesday um instagram authentically bu, and that's b-e-y-o-u and um my personal um one also where i share a lot on the podcast is bianca keisha and that's keisha spelled k-e-s-h-a um and those are the the, the places where I'm on Facebook too, but those are the places I interact the most. So I'm just going to give those Thanks. for now.
0: Can you listen to your podcast on a Thursday? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it okay. comes out on a Wednesday, but you can listen to it on a Thursday. They're always there, but new uh, episodes come out on All right,
0: Tuesday. guys. <laughs> Amazing. That, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much. You've got a great spirit. I'm really grateful to talk to you. And this is me, CJ, signing off from the Shift with CJ podcast. See you next week for another podcast. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, www.shiftwithcj.com.